0: Our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, last week we had a wonderful time celebrating Shavuot and experiencing the Spirit of God. And perhaps you received a fresh impartation of the Ruach HaKodesh last week and were refreshed and revived or perhaps you received the infilling of the Ruach for the very first time and received a new prayer language. But the purpose of the Ruach is to enable us, empower us to do the work of the kingdom of God. And we need him because, let's face it, we are only earthen vessels. We are weak and frail And so God has given us his Ruach to work and operate through us so that the kingdom of God can go forward. That means that it's very important that we move on from those special times of spirit empowerment and continually allow the Ruach to manifest, hear me, the image of Messiah in our hearts and through our lives. You hear that? The image of Messiah in us. That's what God is ultimately looking to do. To form the image of his son in our lives. Okay, that's why they're called Messianic in Antioch. Right? They were called Messianics in Antioch. By the way, that is the true translation. Not the other translation. <laughs> the other one's are transliteration. But the translation is they were called Messianics. At Antioch. Why? Because they were acting like little messiahs. They were acting like Yeshua. They had the fruit of the spirit. And so they did what Yeshua did. They acted how Yeshua acted. They loved like Yeshua loved. And so it was easy to identify them. That is God's goal in us. Through his spirit that he would form his son in us. That we would be messianics that we would be Messiah-like. The scriptures clearly and succinctly tell us that we should expect to see in our lives as believers and serious followers of, of Yeshua, the fruit of the Ruach, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, right? It's not plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit, nine flavors. if We can look at it that way. It is the fruit of the Spirit, Amen. So let's look at that passage of Scripture today. And let's ask and see what God perhaps would speak to us. I want to tell you this. Can I tell you that there is a shortage of the fruit of the Spirit in the body of Messiah. And I believe that God wants to restore that in a big, big way. And he's going to do it through you and through me. Amen? So... Before we could get to the good stuff, we have to get through a little bit of the bad stuff. So in uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, this is what it says. It says, and it is perfectly evident what the old nature does. It expresses itself in sexual immorality, impurity, and indecency, involvement with the occult, and with drugs, in feuding, fighting, becoming jealous and getting angry, in selfish ambition, factionalism, intrigue and envy, in drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I have now warned you before, that those who do such things will have no share in the kingdom of God. Wow. That's a nasty list. right? <laughs> and that's who we used to be. That's who we used to be. That's what our old nature looks like. Our nature before we were touched and transformed by the Ruach of God. That's what you see in the world when you look around. And, you know, they're legalizing drugs like crazy, right? All sorts of indecency abound. Guess what? It is clear. Look what it, how that started. And it is perfectly evident, okay, what the old nature does. So the things that you see around you in the world is perfectly evidenced, right, of the old nature, of the sinful nature, of the flesh, is another way to put it. That's who he used to be. That's a picture of the natural ungodly man and the one we as believers want to distance ourselves from. Amen? As we look to be formed into the image and likeness of our Messiah. It goes on to say the good stuff, right? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self control. Nothing in the Torah stands against such things. How good is that? Who doesn't want those things, right? abounding in their life. So over the upcoming weeks, we will be looking at the fruit of the Ruach and what it means to walk in and cultivate it in our lives. Because fruit needs to be cultivated, amen? It is the fruit of the Ruach, but we need to cooperate with him to see that fruit manifest in and through us. So today, I will be looking at the fruit of love or the flavor of love someone has written about love and said this expressing the fruit of love is to be purified of heart moving toward being immersed in the love of God and neighbor an acceleration of the believer's growth in Messiah likeness if you're growing as a believer Every single year you should look more and more and act more and more like the words you read about when you read the Gospels, when you read the Besarah, when you encounter the life of Yeshua. Now you're not going to be Yeshua, okay, be clear on that, but you're going to be more and more like him, just like a son isn't the father, but a son who is really close to his father will emulate the father more and more. And so we are to be like Messiah. That's a good way to take a little litmus test of how we're doing in our faith. Are we like Yeshua? More and more are we growing in that way? So to break this down a little, let's first look at the great commandment. Did you know there was a great commandment in the scripture? Besides the, uh, the 10 commandments, there is a great commandment. And Yeshua was asked about this commandment. And they said to him, they said, Rabbi, which of the mitzvot in the Torah is the most important? He told them, you are to love Adonai, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the greatest and most important mitzvah. And the second is similar to it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Torah and the prophets are dependent on these two mitzvot. Drop the mic, right? (laughs) I wish I had a physical... I don't have a Bible. I don't have a Bible on them. If you do, bring it up. All of the law and prophets, everything in this book, is summed up in those two things, love God and love your neighbor. There's a lot of words in here. Summed up, love God, love your neighbor. It sums it all up. That's pretty profound. But why don't we see much of it? Why do we struggle to do it? Why? Because it's a fruit of the spirit of God. Thanks. And so we're going to get better at it, aren't we? We're going to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our life. You and I are going to be more loving next year, right? Than we are this year. Someone say amen. Amen. Some might balk at me and say this. They might say, hey, Rabbi, how can God command love? It's a commandment. Love God. (laughs) and Love your neighbor. How can God command love? Well, first... Love is the very essence of who God is. The scripture said, doesn't say God loves. It does in places, God so loved the world, but it says God is love. That's who he is. Through and through, if you pinch God and take a little bit of God's DNA, got your hair, God, and you threw it in a tester, right, and spun it down, it's going to come out, love, Right? Whatever you do, God is at the very core of his DNA love. Amen? But God in this passage is instructing us to love him and to love others based on what he knew he was going to do in and through us by his spirit. That he was going to pour out his spirit upon us and that his spirit is going to bear fruit in our lives. Look what it says in the letter to the Messianic Jewish community in Rome, chapter 5 and verse 5. It says this, God's love for us has already been poured out in our hearts. How? Through the Ruach HaKodesh who has been given to us. God's love has been given to us. So if you're going to say, well, God, I need more love. No, no, you need, God's given you his love. We need to allow his love to cultivate that seed of love that he's deposited in our hearts through the Ruach HaKodesh. Love is powerful. I want to tell you this, love is the cure for the world. It it really is. That's why God could sum up the whole book in a sentence (laughs) because it could be summed up with love. But listen, you and I both know that that's easier said than done. Nations are fighting against nations. They're not blowing each other kisses. Imagine seeing that on the news. (laughs) A little love fest on the border of Israel. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? But it's not happening because love does not fill the hearts of humankind on their own. That is a supernatural working of the Spirit of God. That God takes that fallen human nature that we read about, it's nasty. There's everything nasty about it. It wants to do occultish things. It wants to do evil things. It wants to do unclean things. And God removes that from us And puts his Holy Spirit in us. And we don't want to do those things now. Now God starts to move and work righteousness and goodness and love in our lives. And we have to allow him to do that so that one day we can see people one to him, right? I want to tell you that this generation that's coming up needs to see the love of God. Love is powerful. How do I know that? Robert, how are you so sure? I I can tell you how I'm so 150% sure of that. And I know you're sure of it, too, if you think about it. Look at your own family. You live with your family. So you see your family in all their glory. (laughs) If you know what I'm saying. And they see you in all your glory. And they love you. Love is a bond. You know, we will read later, but it says um, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs, love covers. A multitude of sins. Have I sinned against my children? Absolutely. I've blown it. I've said wrong things. I've put my foot in my mouth more than once. But I can tell you 100%, 150% of my kids love me and I love my kids. Why is that? Because love is powerful. Love covers things that you can't just repair with a negotiation. You can't repair with a $100 bill and say, hey, love me. Now, you might like me. (laughs) You might like me a lot if I start handing out hundreds, and you might come up and say, what a guy, right? That rabbi, what a mensch. He is a mensch, that rabbi. But love is a totally different thing. Love has the ability, because it's so strong and powerful, to cover over sin and shortcomings and foibles. And that's why nations, if they were walking in the spirit of love, could throw kisses across the border instead of trade rockets. Love is a powerful thing. And the Messiah is commanding us to love God first, and our neighbor second. So, this love is what is germinating and growing in the heart of every believer. I believe it's growing and germinating in you. I know this because he's poured his love out in our hearts through the Ruach HaKodesh. And make no mistake about it, love, hear me, is the hallmark of the kingdom of God and the overarching attribute of the people of God. And where you don't see love, You're not going to find God. We read in the text in Galatians and we relate, if we, I should say, read in the text of Galatians and if we relate more to verses 19 through 21 than we do verses 22 and 23, then we have some work to do. We might just have to cultivate the seed of love that God has placed into our hearts by the Ruach. And that's okay. Because listen, I would be naive to think every one of us are just little balls of love skipping through life. That's okay. As long as we're committed to grow in love. Right? You could grow in love. And so I am encouraging you today Let's purpose to grow in the love of God. Hey, perhaps some of the ills of the world that you notice, you can help fix by becoming more like Yeshua in this area. Isn't it cool? Here's the Messiah. He's a religious man, <laughs> evidently. Or maybe not so much. Who knows? In the sense that of what people think about religion. But here he is, the Messiah God walking on earth, right? And everybody loved him. Except they're really religious. But they loved Yeshua. The sinners wanted to be around him. The people wanted to be around Yeshua. Why? Love. The love of God. They were experiencing the full dose love of God. I have a hunch when you get and we get into the kingdom of God in its fullness, So, in the, in the heavens of heavens where, where God lives, the love of God is going to be so, you're going to be so, that's why we always say, you know, the people who pass on and we pray for them to come back, they're probably saying, don't pray for me to come back. How dare you pray for me to come back? I am in the liquid love of God. Who in the world wants to go from that back into this? This is like a dump compared to the love of God. So the love of God is an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. And guess what? You and I are called to walk and live and flow in that love. In one of his sermons, John Wesley wrote that our walk with God is about love filling our heart taking up the whole capacity of our soul, which clearly expresses the flavor of love. For as long as love takes up the whole heart, what room is there for sin? If love takes up your whole heart, what room is there for sin? Or evil for that matter? Or anything wrong? There's no room for anything else. But do we spend our time Filling our hearts up with love? Ask yourself that question. Do you spend your time filling your heart? Think of the thoughts you have towards your spouse or your family or to that cranky neighbor next door (laughs) or that workmate that perhaps doesn't work like they should and causes you to work harder. Are you filling up love in your heart toward them? Hope you are, because <laughs> love will change them. See, in our flesh, we think if we give them a little knock on the head, you know, that'll change them. But the truth is, love will change them. If love fills your heart, this means that through the working of the Ruach, we allow him to change and mold our affections. You know what? I am really at the point. You know, we God wants our heart of hearts. God wants the real thing, the genuine article happening in our heart. We could come, anyone could be religious. You know the most ungodly person could be religious? You could train train a prisoner who's done grievous things to walk into a setting and close his eyes and lift his hands and sway to music. He can and he could look good on the outside, but it's not the outside that counts. It says man looks on the outside. That's what we see. You look good, you smell good, you, wow. But God looks on the heart. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your outside. He sees your heart. And so cultivating a heart of love, There's nothing like it. And God is calling his people in this hour to do exactly that. It's been already established that the Ruach has already moved upon our hearts, if we're his servants, and we must allow the expression of love to flow through our lives. Yeshua is commanding it, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? One way we do that is by offering God our praise, our worship, It says in Yeshua 25, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise and give thanks to your name for you have done miraculous things, plans formed long ago, long ago fulfilled with perfect faithfulness. I want to say this, a heart of love towards God is a heart of worship towards God. That the maker of the universe would desire to sit enthroned on our praises is a mind boggling thought. But he does. And he delights in it. It says, God sits enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our love for God is seen not only in the good times and in the sanctuary but it's also seen in challenging times. Look at this verse. But about midnight, we know this verse. I'm not going to, maybe I should. But about midnight, when Shaul and Silo were praying and singing hymns, they were in jail. They were locked up in stocks. They were bound hand and foot. Now, think about you. You're head in a stock, your feet in a stock, and you're locked down. First of all, I'm already uncomfortable, right? Just bending like that. And you're going to be there all day and all night for days on end. Would you be in a good mood? Right? Would you be just humming away songs of praise in your heart? Maybe not. I hope so. But here's the thing. Shaul and Sila were and it says that they were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them and saying, they must have been saying, Here's, I'm going to inject a parenthetical. What are you out of your mind? Nothing good down here. It's nothing good in here. What are you singing praise to God that you're bound hand and foot? That they're starving you? That you're ready to go on your way to death? What's wrong with you? Singing hymns and praise to God. And the prisoners were listening. suddenly there was a great earthquake. So powerful that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer, shaken out of his sleep, saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he knew he would be put to death if he allowed the prisoners to escape. But what does Rob Shaul do? He doesn't say, I'm free, thank you God, I'm out of here. Right? No. He says to the jailer, wait, don't go. We're still here. We're not going to run away and leave you to your death. Stop. We're still here. How many people would do that? Why did he do that? The love of God. That was just evidenced by his praise to God, is now being evidenced toward this jailer who I were going to go out on a limb and probably say, back in that time, he was probably not treating these prisoners really good. And he said, wait, don't go, stay. The love of God was flowing out of Shaul's heart in a very bad situation. What happened to that jailer, do you know? He came to faith. Just him? His whole family. Why? The love of God at work in Rav Shaul's heart. You want to know if the love of God is a powerful thing? Absolutely. And God is calling us and technically commanding us to walk in his love. Loving God is manifest in the hard times and the easy times and this is something we can choose to allow to flow out of us. This is what I want to tell you about praise. Don't be stingy with your praise and your worship. Don't be stingy. Don't say, well, I'm not in a good mood. I want to tell you this, if you're in a good mood, a lousy mood, God is still worthy. If you're in a good mood, if you're high energy or low energy, God is still worthy. Allow, express, and lavish your love of God upon him. There's something about God. I mean, it's just a relational thing. When my kids love on me, there's a response that happens to that just is. God responds, you know, when people say, oh, what's the rabble with the worship thing? And how how come we even have worship in the congregation? Why do we sing songs to God? We sing songs to God simply because God likes it. And could you imagine that you could give with a simple lifting of your voice and hands, God, I think he's the man that has everything, by the way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He's the ultimate man that has everything. But that you could give God something that he enjoys. That's a pretty profound thought in and of itself. That your praise, he delights in. But he just doesn't hold it in and say, he's not an egotistical God. Oh, thanks. Praise me, praise me, praise me, praise me, praise me. God's delight, he loves it so much when his children, his creation praise him. Oh, they're they're bound. Not anymore, they're free. <laughs> they're in need of healing, they're healed. They are in want of emotional strength. It's provided. Because that's who he is. His love flows out from him to us. It's pretty cool, right? What might your life look like if you began to offer up to God extravagant praise and worship? Remember the woman with the alabaster jar of perfume that was worth, I don't know, a year's salary? And she poured it out on over Yeshua. And the Talmudim was saying, don't do that. What's wrong with you? That's... That's a, there's a lot of money, they don't do it. And Yeshua said, leave her alone. And he said, your act will be told throughout the world because of your love toward me. And guess what? I just perpetuated that right now. Her extravagant okay, praise and her worship unto the Messiah was noticed by heaven and acknowledged To the point that she's probably the most famous praise and worshiper ever in the history of humankind. That story is told over and over and over and over again as a testimony to her and to the power of worship. For 2,000 years it's been told. So hopefully you heard that. Love is is commanded by God. Love God, love your neighbor. Ask him to, to help you to cultivate love in your heart for him and for others. So, love isn't only a command to be performed, but rather, number two, love influences our actions and our affections. Look what it says in Kepha Aleph 122. You can turn there. 1 Peter 122, it says, Now that if... Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, how many people here are obeying God? Okay, thank you to both of you. Uh, <laughs> right, we're here obeying God, right? Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere, say sincere, sincere love for your brothers. Sincere love for your brothers. Love each other deeply with all your heart. The best way to understand this is by evaluating what love is and what it's supposed to look like lived out in the life of believers. So to do that I'm going to go to the best passage for that is 1 Corinthians 13. You can turn there with me. I know we don't have a PowerPoint today. But if you have your little e-book, you turn. Or if you have a Bible, you can turn. And hear this powerful description. Rabbi, I'm, pr- I'm a loving person. Great. So everything I say right from this list is going to be bear witness in your heart. But if there's things on this list that don't bear witness in your heart as to who you are, This is a great opportunity, friend. There is no condemnation. But there is a great opportunity for you to say, hmm, this one (laughs) I need to work on a little bit. I need to cultivate this in my life and allow God to work his love in you. So this is what love is. This is how it looks like in your family. This is how love looks like toward your wife. This is how love looks like in a community here. Love, verse four, is very patient and kind. Love is very patient and kind. Selah, I'm going to raise my hand. Am I the most patient person? Nope. I need work. <laughs> I'm, already, I'm, I'm signing on the dotted line to God. Help me. Love is very patient and kind. I told you once a few months back, there's, a, there's not a lot of kindness flowing around in our society today. But that's what love is. Love is kind. So if you evaluate yourself and you say, Well, I don't know if I'm that kind of a person, well, then you say, God, Spirit of heaven, help me to be kind to others. Because love is kind, never jealous. Not sometimes. Never. Say never. Never Never jealous or envious. Never. It never once says, I want what they have. I should have got that promotion. It's never jealous or envious. So if you've been jealous or envious, More than a few times, that should go on the list. That's what love is, though. Never jealous or envious. Never boastful or proud. Let me ask you a question. How many proud people have you met in your life? Right? It's not boastful. I do. I've done. I can. I am. I mean, let's face it. Anything that anything good that comes out of us is God. God is. There's not one human being on earth that God is looking at and saying. God's not impressed. Because everything in that individual that's good came from God. We can't boast in ourselves. We could boast in God. Praise God. Thank God that He's done good things in and through my life. Baruch Hashem. Love isn't boastful and proud. and You know, you might work for people like that. Look what I've built. And not to, listen, we can still be respectful to people and appreciate talents and all that sort of stuff, but make no mistake about it. Pride and being boastful and braggadocious and all that sort of thing is not love. Love is not that. Love is never haughty, selfish, or rude. Not rude. You know, can I tell you, you know, the pep peeve, well, that's just who I am. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that's just who you are. Uh, That, my friend, is rude. And that's on you. Because I choose to be rude. I've been rude (laughs) a few times in my life. And guess what? Every time, I've chosen to be rude. Being rude is not a godly attribute. And it's not love. Love is not rude. It's not selfish. Me, 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 me. I mean, life is so much bigger than us. So much more to life than us. And if we were called to live in community, and we have been called, make no mistake about it, to live in community, the whole entire Bible from pillar to post is in the context of the community. And if we are called to live in the context of the community, just like in family, you learn real quickly in a family that it's not about you. Right, Mom? right? Not about you. No, no, no. You're last in the the way it works. Yeah, it's not about you, not about me. Okay? And when you take that posture, think about when everyone takes that posture. Now, let's just break it down. I know it's Father's Day, so I'm going to, sorry, ladies. All the respect (laughs) to the ladies. But let's take dads for a second. Dads know it's not about them, too. They go to work, they're putting food on the table, they come home exhausted. Oh, lawn's got to be done. Oh, this got to be done. Oop, three or four things on the list that you need to get to. It's not about us. It's about serving the community. But what happens when everyone operates out of that same principle? And they're selfless. So someone might say, hey, Dad, let me mow the lawn for you. Because it's not about me. Dad, take a break. Go have a nice tea. Well, I do the lawn. And then you see mom is slaving at the dishes after she cooked and the whole bit. Hey, mom, someone else will step to the plate and say, hey, mom, sit down. I'll do the dishes. And Judy's saying, please hear this message. <laughs> because when you're selfless, and not selfish, you understand it's not just about you. And if the whole community is not selfish, wow, that's a pretty cool place to live. Amen? amen. It's just true. And this is why God wants to work love in us. Yeah, it almost sounds utopian. It is. (laughs) That is God's kingdom. That's the way he wants it to be. But we must cooperate. Love does not demand its own way. I know us dads are never like that. Right, dads? I can tell my kids to do something, but I I want it done. Not just any old way. I want it done. I remember one of the spiritual leaders that uh, um, was doing a project uh, years ago, you know, gave the group of people papers to collate And to staple. But he wanted the staple at an exact angle. (laughs) He didn't want it crooked. He didn't want it not 49 degrees. He wanted 45 degrees. That's the way it must be. (laughs) And we could be like that. But that's not what love is. It's not, guys, ready? I don't want to step on your toes. So pull them in. Pull your toes in. Squeeze. Squeeze. Love is not irritable or touchy. (laughs) It's not irritable or touchy. I got nothing. I got nothing on that one, right? What do you say? Love is not irritable or touchy. That's going on my list. <laughs> that just—that's got to go down. That's not what love is. It does not hold grudges. Brian, is there someone you're holding grudges against? Another way you say it, uh, holding grudges is unforgiveness. You have unforgiveness towards someone. Someone that you—I'll forgive them when. My when I'm cold, dead, and buried, people are like that. If you, that's you, that's not what love is. Let that go. Because guess what? You think you're punishing the other person. The truth is, you're punishing yourself. You're keeping yourself bound, and God wants to see you free. Love is not does not hold grudges. And listen, we'll hardly. Love will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Oh, did you just hit me upside the head? (laughs) Didn't notice. Will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. That's what love is. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him or her no matter what the cost. You will always believe in them, always expect the best of them, and always stand your ground in defending them. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Friends, I want to tell you, That's what love looks like. I didn't write it. But that's what love looks like. And can I tell you, that is the kingdom of God. You know, as I've been reflecting over the past months, I've been realizing more and more that, you know what? The kingdom of God is not that prevalent. And that's why we make very little impact in our society. Because what I just read to you, let's be honest. Do we see that abounding? <laughs> Do we see that little oasis of those attributes abounding? But guess what? The good news is, they can. They could abound from you, from me, from here, from us, from this place. They can. As we allow the Ruach HaKodesh, as we pay attention, when he says, don't do that, when he, when he speaks to your heart and you know he's telling you, don't be rude, be nice. Don't be selfish now. This is not the time for it to be about you. And he says, serve and let it be about someone else. It's those little impressions that the Spirit would speak to our hearts that we need to cooperate with. And we say, yes, God, I'll obey. And I'll speak a kind word instead of a little sharp hurt word. And I'll do an act of kindness instead of an act of selfishness. And those little things, when we begin to respond to the Ruach like that, people are impacted. People are impacted by kindness. You want to know why? First, because it's so rarely experienced. When you go into a place, whether it be a business or any place, and someone is kind to you, it impacts you. Because unfortunately, We don't experience it a lot. But we should be experiencing it a lot, shouldn't we? And we could be a catalyst for change. Amen? So what we've been talking about here, and I'm closing, is about genuine transformation. That's what it's really about. Transformation from who we used to be as indicated right in Galatians verses 19 through 21, that's who we used to be, that worldly, fleshly ah, person, into who we are now, into verses 22 and 23, where love abounds, joy abounds, goodness abounds, Kindness abounds. A transformation of heart. Friend, if you are a believer in the living God and you are the same today as you were when you were born anew, you got some work to do. And the work that you have to do isn't work that you strive to do. You need to sit under the presence of God and say, God, change me. And then we need to cooperate with God. And when he speaks and nudges and leads and and is trying to get us to see it his way, we need to acquiesce to his request. Amen? It is a change of our hearts and affections toward God and others, is what he's looking for. You know, (laughs) every once in a while you meet those people, I've been in the kingdom of God for 50 years. You don't even know what to say because they don't s- seem like it. Because, listen, you go walk outside. If you have an apple tree in your backyard, which we do actually, <laughs> if you have an apple tree in that backyard, it doesn't take uh, really any uh, prophetic uh, insight to tell if there's apples on the tree. Matter of fact, I could sit at my kitchen table, sip a cup of coffee, take a quick little peek and say, apples are in. Right there. See them. Go pick one. Go get one. Doesn't leave much to the imagination. Neither does the fruit of God's spirit. So if you think in your life people don't see who you are, You're wrong. People see who you are. Your family sees who you are. So I don't know who you are so that's good for me. (laughs) Um, But what I'm saying is who you are and who I am needs to line up with what that says we could and should be. And if there is any inconsistency, we need to go to God to prayer and say, God, and listen, God is not going to say, Oh, yeah, I was waiting for you to come, you dirty dog. <laughs> That's not who God is. God, come, come. Let's work this out. Let me move on your heart. Let me help you with this so you could be more like me. So they could see you in a community of faith and say, hey, they act like messianics. They act like little messiahs. They're so loving and kind and gentle and good and respectful and they're not rude and they're not puffed up and they don't think who they are and oh my goodness, those people, I like that. Matter of fact, I read my Bible this morning and when I met them, they kind of give me the same impression that they're like that. They're those people. That'd be a pretty cool thing, wouldn't it? People walk into your house and say, there's something about this house. My gosh, those kids are so nice. They're so respectful. They're so kind. Imagine that. See, if we think people don't notice when we're rude and selfish and all those things, they do. And so God is calling us to love him, to love others, To see our affections changed so we would truly be bearing the fruit of the Ruach HaKodesh through our lives. One fruit, many flavors. And the first flavor we're talking about today is love. Amen? I want to close with this quote from Terry Johns, and this is what it says. Transformed affections are at the core of our new identity. Real change is represented, genuine transformation that is ontological in nature. With the transformation of affections, a change of being takes place. A change of being takes place. So think of the scripture. You are a new creation. The old things have Past and behold, the new has come. Change of being takes place. We do not simply identify with God, oh, I'm a follower of God, but are transformed to the very presence and nature of God and participate through the Ruach HaKodesh in the life of God. That's what it's about. Change that people notice, man, every year, right? Listen, if you were an athlete and you didn't get better every year, you'd be out of a job. The coach better notice you got better. You got faster, you got stronger, right? The coach better notice you got better or else you're out of a job. Well, this is what this is kind of saying, that if we're believers... It's not just saying we acknowledge God. It says that we've been transformed and we're being transformed in who we are. Every year, every day, every minute to be more and more like God. Every relationship is affected and our way of being in the world is repositioned. That is, our transformed nature results in a new expression of life and values. We're repositioned. We see things differently. We act differently. We respond differently. Why? Because my being is being changed. I used to be like this. And then I was like this. And then I was like this. And then I was like this. Currently today, I'm like this. But tomorrow a year from now, and 10 years from now, I'll be even more like the God that I say I serve. I'll have more of his values than I have today. That is what is normal. That is what faith is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to be transformative. And so we best like that athlete who better get better every year, right? If we want to be honest with ourselves, we should say, God, I expect to be more like you next year. And so God, please help me. I want to be more like you next year. I want my heart more tender next year. I want to be more loving next year. I want to be less selfish next year. I don't want to be rude anymore, God. I want to be more like you. Amen? That is what love is. So let's bow our hearts for a second and have a little conversation with God. The good news is it doesn't matter where on the spectrum you are. (laughs) If you're Need a lot of work, a little work, moderate amount of work. I doubt there's anyone here that needs no work. But we all need work. So to say, God, I heard that. God, I want to walk in the fruit of love. In my life, in my family, in the community. Towards my children, my friends, my neighbors, the people I interact with. I want people to see you in me. I want them to notice that I'm not like everyone else, that I'm like you. That would be a good thing. (laughs) So God, you see that in our lives. You see that in our hearts. God, we desire to be more like you. Abba, we cry out that you would show us how to walk a walk of love, that we would be a loving community. God, that it expresses itself toward Others, in a way that would be glorifying to your name. So Ruach Hashem, we say, help us in our weakness, speak to us, sensitize us to your voice, that we would hear your leading and your nudging and your gentle guidance, and we would respond appropriately. So Father, we thank you, God, that you are the best example of a loving father, and we ask you to help each and every one of us to follow in your footsteps, to live lives filled with love toward you and love toward others. And God, that our lives would bring much glory to your name. And we ask it in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, and everyone said, amen. Let's stand to our feet. I want to say the blessing over you. And you will be dismissed to go. Um, just want to encourage you to have a great and blessed Father's Day to you fathers out there to my mishpacha according to the same gender (laughs) Um, have a great day relax with your families and uh, just enjoy your time so stretch forth your hand May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Father, I pray, Lord, that your peace that surpasses understanding would guard your people's hearts and their minds, in Messiah, Abba, that you would bless each one with health. Father, we remember our, Lord, our brethren, God, who are currently suffering in this world, God, persecuted by evil, we lift them up before you, God, and ask for your grace to be upon them. Father, we pray for everyone who is sick. Father, we pray for Wayne Capone, God, that you would lift him up and restore him to complete health. Father, for those who are struggling with various things, we release your great healing power upon them. And God, we're quick to give you praise, glory, and honor. B'shem Yeshua. Everyone said, Amen. Shabbat Shalom. God bless you. Have a great week.